podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In an otherwise miserable week for non-footballing reasons, Manchester United delivered some serious fun. 16 years, we and they waited. And when the moment finally came, no fans were there to witness it. And United led by two goals in three minutes. It was Scott McTominay who made history, the first man to score two goals in such a space of time in the Premier League. And no opponent has opened up for United quite so much as Leeds. And as Solskjaer got his team selection spot on, United tore through Bielsa's Leeds with emphatic ruthlessness. Jackets it's a day to smile and to keep smiling some more. Uh, a magnificent victory. The first time we've scored six against Leeds since Bobby Charlton uh, got two in 1959. We had 26 shots. There were eight goals, 43 shots in total, 24 corners. United have 19 points from our last 21 games and are five points off the top with a game in hand. Um, we were 24 points off the top uh, last Christmas. So certainly a day to smile. And it's the first time a, a Marcelo Bielsa side have conceded six goals since Newell's old boys played San Lorenzo in the 1992 Copa Libertadores. Um, so you can say all you like about Leeds' style of play and how open they leave themselves. But this was ruthless, emphatic and just so, so fun. It was a bit of a throwback game to me to four or five years ago when the Premier League went through a phase where, especially in big games, these sorts of scorelines seem to be thrown up all the time. You know, you had usually Arsenal on the receiving end of, you know, these kind of scorelines in big games. The league has sort of gone a bit defensive since then, but this this was one of the most entertaining games I've ever watched. I think, obviously, as a United fan, it was lovely to watch, especially with the early goals. But even as a neutral, I mean, just what a spectacle over 40 shots that just doesn't happen in in high level football ever um and you know it, it was it was a brilliant spectacle from from the very first minute and more importantly a brilliant performance from from united it was a first half an hour especially that really couldn't have been more different from the scripts that we've written this season you know we had early goals which have not been easy for us to come by away from home or at Old Trafford. Uh, we had goal involved from Anthony Martial, which has also not been a common sight this season. McTominay scoring two inside three minutes, not a common sight in any season. And even that very rarest of, of things so far this year with goals at Old, Old Trafford from open play. Yeah, it was a throwback game, an entertaining game. It, it, it did just have everything. Um, shots, goals, constant attacks, um, high speed, um, both teams in it, some great play. Um, and, and yeah, in a time where everyone needed it, the, an, an old derby delivered in in massive proportions. And yeah, goals from open play, uh, five of them, well, four of them actually, it was a goal from a set piece as well, pretty rare in itself, but four brilliant goals from open play. And the the first Bruno Fernandes won the third goal, the two McTominay ones we'll move on to when we talk about Scott McTominay individually. But the, the Bruno Fernandes goal was kind of, it was one attack which showed exactly where United was so good and it was on the counter-attack where the passes were so crisp and the the play was just so so efficient and so such high quality every pass was deliberate and and exactly where you wanted it and the decision making was good and that's kind of what summed up how good United were on the counter in that first half especially yeah I know I know a lot of people have been saying and will keep saying that you know the reason we managed to play so well going forward is because Leeds leave themselves open defensively which is true, but at the same time, when those opportunities present themselves, yeah. you've still got to take them. You've still got to have the ability, the ruthlessness to actually make use of all those chances and get yourself into those goal-scoring positions. And we did that brilliantly. That leads being open should not take away from the fact that going forward, 
this was a, a genuinely brilliant performance. Some of the, the play we were putting together at times was scintillating. It really was. And, and especially in the build-up yeah. to the third goal, you're so right. You know, the ball gets played into Fernandez with a brilliant ball around the corner into, I think it was Fred, out to Rashford, into Martial, and then Fernandez yeah. into the bottom corner. You know, that was just one example of, of so it, many pieces of play where we, we carved leads open. Yeah. And uh, um, let's not pretend that if, if there is any team in world football that is is perfect to play for United, despite my lack of confidence going into the game, it is Leeds who open themselves up, yeah. who work in this man-marking system that means if you have a player that can beat their man on the dribble, they're suddenly into so much space. And you look at United's attack, yeah. you look at the the skill of Rashford and his speed, the skill of Martial, the the great touches of, of Fernandez and even Fred in this game and the pace of James, all of that front six had the ability to take on their players. And it, in fact, the, the front six combined completed 82% of their take-ons, 18 out of 22. Um, Martial, seven from eight alone, Rashford, six from eight, even McTominay, two from three. And that's kind of what summed the game up is United taking on their player and suddenly being in this space that allowed the, the attack to have even more potential and then taking advantage of it. And and yes, Leeds were were perfect to play for United, but they they rose to the challenge perfectly. And and I go back to the the thing I said in the intro about the first time that Bielsa's conceded six since 1992. Yeah. I think that tells you all you need to know. Bielsa's teams are open and they play this style and particularly Leeds, but nobody else has, has done this. And, and this Leeds team have caused so many problems to so many brilliant teams. And yet United in the end, despite it somehow being nervous, even at 4-1, battered them. And it, yeah, it, it it was that fast start which made it so satisfying as well. Just a complete disbelief yeah. at three minutes when we were tuning up. Honestly, just utter disbelief. And I feel like every United fan, wherever they were watching, sadly not in the stadium, but was looking around at whoever they were watching with or, or virtually or physically and just thinking, what is going on? I, I, I don't understand it. And Solskjaer said in his pre-match interview with Sky, he said, um, uh, maybe I need to go into the dressing room and pop a balloon to wake them up just before kickoff. And someone should check the bins at Old Trafford for popped <laughs> balloons because he must have done about 400 of them because it just, it came out and was just so, so brilliant. Yeah, again, it's just so against every script that has been written for this United team this season. You know, it, 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 this isn't like us to come out in those fast starts. And I think, you know, Leeds, yeah, they are the perfect team for us to play when we're going forward. But they're also the worst team for us to play defensively because, to be fair, for especially a lot of the first half, maybe not so much in the second, but, you know, Leeds were, were very, very dangerous going forward. It easily could have been 2-2 after 10 minutes. Bamford had, had a brilliant chance of one-on-one yeah. with De Gea that he put wide. You know, there was a goal disallowed rightly for offside. They have made three or four very, very good saves a couple at the start, very start of the second half. You know, it, it was a game that was weird because there was never, there was never a point in the game where I was massively concerned. There was never a point in the game where I was upset because, you know, we had started so fast and it was, it was brilliant to watch, but there was always this lurking worry at the back of your mind where you just think, shit, like this, this game is still on, even at 3-0, 4-1, yeah. like you said. The, the game was, it wasn't in the balance at all, obviously, but, you know, I didn't feel like we were completely out of it's the woods the, just yet. And so I think, you they're know. They're the only team in the league who you'd feel nervous against for yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because the, the thing is, even against a team, say, like City or Liverpool, 
if you were 3-0 or 4-1 up against, you know that you would just sit back and, and yeah, you would just yeah. sit back and you'd hope to win the game. But Leeds, they give you those opportunities that makes you then want to commit men forward and, and play on the counter-attack and be really aggressive on the counter-attack. It's almost that like they lure you in at times. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's like an amazing tactic because clearly it didn't work, but it's almost more difficult trying to protect a three-goal lead against a team like that because you will end up committing men forward. Whereas against better teams, they, they'll just hem you in and you know you kind of back yourself if you have to defend for 20 minutes yeah. on a three-goal lead. I thought what was so refreshing about this United performance in particular, two things. One is Solskjaer and the way he set us up, which we'll come on to after. But I think the big thing for me was this wasn't just a performance where we were reliant on Bruno Fernandes and then, you know, maybe a moment or two of, of individual yeah, brilliance. Yeah. This was every single player, even in the, in the back four, contributing really, really well to us going forward as a team. We looked like a well-oiled machine at times. And so many of our best attacks, they went through Bruno Fernandes, but it wasn't him just, you know, picking out a Hollywood pass. It was, as, as happened for the third goal, it was a perfect example the ball coming into him, him quickly laying it off to a teammate. And then that's how we create the space. And we exploit it. Yeah, Leads yeah. his man marking system perfectly. That was what was so refreshing to me because this performance felt like the most sustainable for, sort of style of football that we've seen from us at any point in the season, rather than just relying on, say, a Rashford wonder goal or a Br- Bruno Fernandes Hollywood pass. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I am just so glad that he went for it in the way that he did because not only has it made my Christmas with just a, such a good game of football to watch. And I think it's, it's worth reiterating that again and again, that uh, imagine if, if you could watch that kind of football every week, not, not from a United perspective or a Leeds perspective, even just from a general footballing perspective of the Premier League. Imagine if there were what at least one or two of those games every week, it would just be so yeah. much more entertaining. But I, I'm so glad that Solskjaer went for it in a way they did and he got his team selection and tactics spot on. And there was one stat that I read on um, at United Arena on Twitter who said, Manchester United has a shot on goal every 10.2 completed passes against Leeds. And that sums United up. It was get the ball, win the ball back in defence, eight, nine passes and shoot and often score. You look at the goals and it's, I, th- I think there's, rarely been a game where it's so clear of United's game plan and just how effective it was. The, the the game plan from Solskjaer, as far as I can tell, was go out and start really quickly and and, and try and score immediately uh, and really put Leeds to the to the test. Um counterattack throughout, never sit back and try and and um get the better of them on set pieces where they've been weak all season. And for the first three goals, it was incredible counter-attacks. For the fourth, it was uh, getting the better of them on a set piece. The fifth, uh, another counter-attack. And the sixth was the result of a counter-attack and, and then a foul in the box. And we could have scored many more on the counter as well um, and, and from set pieces. But it, it was just, he approached the game in the perfect way. He knew how to get rid of leads and, and did it. I think probably like, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time this season sort of dissecting various mistakes that we think Solskjaer has made. And I think it's only fair that when he gets it right, like he did against Leeds, we give that the same attention because to be fair to him, I thought this was a masterstroke. I like, I'm sure many other people when I saw the lineup was a little bit surprised and not massively pleased to see Dan James starting, you know, hasn't started. I don't think all season last was, I think his last start in the league was probably the first game after lockdown ended against Spurs. 
And yet it was brilliantly judged by Solskjaer because effectively what he did was he set us up exactly how we set up in, in big games against City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, with Fred and McTominay, the really mobile pairing in midfield, Dan James out wide, and effectively set us up, like you said, to, to get in behind and to exploit the space that's, that Leeds were inevitably going to, to leave us. The difference, which he clearly recognised between playing it like this against Leeds and playing like this against, say, City or Liverpool, so you back us that even if it is a really open game, we will A, be able to create more than Leeds and B, be able to take more of the chances that we do create than Leeds purely because we have better players. Yeah. And that is a luxury that you don't often get in the Premier League because normally when there is a golf in the quality of the players, there's a, also a massive shift in the way that they approach the game. You know, you, you don't see teams, and, and this is not meant to discredit Leeds, like, you know, they, they're a decent side, but very clearly we have 11 v 11, we have a, a very superior team. And you just don't get that very often in the Premier League. You don't get two teams that are relatively mismatched in terms of the quality of their players, both playing this attacking style. Yeah. And when you do, it makes for these great spectacles. And I think massive credit to Solskjaer because it would have been really easy to say, well, you know, we've got to soak up the pressure early, make sure we don't give Leeds an early goal because, you know, they're dangerous and then, you know, wear them down. Eventually our quality will tell. But no, he had faith in the quality that we had on the pitch the way he set us up was perfect to uh, to dominate Leeds and to capitalise on the space that they would inevitably leave when they go forward. And having that partnership of, of Fred and McTominay in particular, I think was the key because yeah. if we had Matic and Pogba in there, it just wouldn't have, have suited the type of game he wanted to play. You know, they are not as mobile, may, maybe arguably better on the ball if they're sort of given time. But that, that wasn't the type of game we needed. We didn't we need people who could take three seconds on the ball and, and pick a pass in between five defenders. We needed someone who could pick up the ball and in half a second be playing a pass and then move on to the next one. You know, that, yeah. that mobility is exactly what we needed. They provided it and full credit to Solskjaer. I thought he, he approached the game brilliantly. Yeah. And to be fair, when the team came out, I'm going to read a message from um, a group that I have with some other United fans. And I said, this is almost exactly word for word. Lots to be hopeful about. Rashford and James Pace, Maguire needs to get his headers on target and Greenwood, Pogba, Cavani to come on when they start tiring. And uh, you could tell that from the team lineup straight away. And I, I was pretty hopeful about that. My first message in, into that chat was on the counter we go, which, which was obviously going to be the tactic, but it, it, I, I was hopeful with that that team and it gave us plenty of options. I also said it needs everyone to have a great day. And what happened was everyone did have a, a, a great day. Um, so let's talk about some of them individually, starting with Scott McTominay, who hopped out of the tunnel with a, a fresh trim. Um, so I turned to my brother and said, uh, Scott McSauce, fresh trim means business. And I mean, what, a, what an electric start. Sliced across it for the first one, beautifully swept into the bottom right corner. And then within two minutes in the same corner again, and I think the first goal gave him the confidence for that that lovely step over touch and finish with his left foot for the for the second. But not just the goals, which were both brilliant and and everything, but his, his performance in general was was so so good. Um, someone tweeted me, I can't remember who it was, um, I'm afraid, but someone tweeted me to say was like watching um, Yaya Toure, and it was just again all, all the caveat of lots of space to work in, sure, but on an individual display, uh, utterly brilliant driving runs that were, were so good. Ball rolls, step overs, perfect passes, shrugging off his opponents, getting into space on the edge of the box. And 
it, it, it really did have everything from McTominay. McTominay has, has kind of threatened this, I think, a little bit before. This isn't the first time he scored some very, very good goals. The ones one against Arsenal last year at home springs to mind as well. You know, he has he scored some screamers in his time at, at United, but this was definitely the most complete Scott McTominay performance we've ever seen. Defensively, still very good. Still managed to cut out a good fair few Leeds attacks. But going forward, he was just a different player to what he normally is. I mean, his ability to get forward and join in those attacks. Yeah. I'm sure, like you said, the the opening goal after what, 58 seconds or whatever it was was gave him the confidence to go out there and and sort of just be very carefree in the way that he played. He was getting forward every opportunity that he could. Took the first goal incredibly well. The way he put that in the bottom corner was brilliant. And then the second, the little step over and the the left foot finish, it was that was the uh, the arrogance yeah. and, and the the clinical nature of a striker, not a defensive midfielder. So no, it was a brilliant performance from McTominay, and you can see why managers love him. He is able to to just carry out whatever role he's asked, maybe not to perfection, but to a very very high level. And that's it's a unique trait that managers just yeah. absolutely. He's someone love. who he gets the the job done that is required of him by his manager, and often he, he does what is required and then often more as well in the big games. Uh, he is such a big game player. He's a, a, a G-Sung Park, a Darren Fletcher who really rises to the occasion. And just, yeah, the, the post-match interview as well, I mean, it, it, it cut away from McTominay's interview with Sky afterwards and Roy Keane was sat there just absolutely beaming from ear to ear, which is not a sight you often see, but you could see the, I'm not sure whether it's pride or just, just genuine respect from Keane for a Manchester United player. And how often do we see that? I mean, so, so rarely. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, yes. And Scott McTominay. Well, Keane has absolutely blasted every other United player in that team. But with McTominay, there is clearly a, a respect for um, his qualities. And, and that interview, the, the maturity of it to score two goals against Leeds on their return to the Premier League and win 6-2 and McTominay comes out and I mean barely shows a smile for the for the whole interview just is very clear that we, we have to be more consistent we're improving we've got to be more consistent we're not looking at the league table and that maturity and, and professionalism is, is why he's been so loved by Solskjaer, Mourinho and, and Ferguson and Keane and, and fans as well but yeah definitely his, his best performance I think the only comparison um, I think my brother said was, was Barca um, the one nil defeat, where it, even in that game, McTominay was brilliant as well. And it's true, he he is such a big game player. And uh, we're going to talk more in the the Patreon bonus Q and A about kind of his future and and what position he's best in and how he's improved over the last year. But we'll we'll move on to Anthony Martial, who, despite some really poor finishing, he should have had two, possibly three, but the first half particularly was, I think, one of Martial's very best performances. The way Martial held up the ball, span his marker, um, and his decision-making in the final third was, I thought, one of his his best displays, especially the the first half hour. Yeah, he's coming for some criticism this season, rightly, I think, the majority of the time. But although he didn't get his goal against Leeds, he was superb the entire game. The ability that he has to hold up the ball and bring us into play and then let whoever's playing on the wings of his side and running behind has improved so, so much in, over the last sort of year to 18 months. And it, it hasn't been a perfect season for Martial at all, but all throughout that has been the case. It, there wasn't a time when, especially when we were sort of trying to shoehorn 
Martial into a striker when he wasn't really being given the chance and Klee didn't really like playing there compared to playing a left wing. He's He's been almost transformed, to be honest. Again, the, the goal scoring and the assist might not quite be at the level we still want. And that is still something he needs to add to his game. But his, his ability to be a target man and sort of be a pivot in attack around who we can function has improved massively. Him and Bruno Fernandes seem to be striking up a very good relationship. So often you see Fernandes putting the ball into Martial's feet and then getting it back on the return or the other way around. Martial is becoming more like the striker that we wanted him to become. He's becoming more complete, more all around. Again, that's not to say that he's world-class because he still needs to add more goal involvements to his, to his game to be considered anywhere near that level. But it, the way that he's playing the game is much, much better now compared yeah. to what it was, you know, six, eight the, months ago. The thing with Martial is his finishing has been pretty poor recently. And it, it, it leads to that kind of age-old conclusion with with Anthony Martial that he, he can never be United's number nine, etc. I, I, there's definitely a debate to be had there. His finishing has to improve. It wasn't good enough against Leeds. Um, and, and he really should have scored at least a couple, as I say. But we have seen Martial being a great finisher. And I think that that means that this recent form, this, this very recent form, particularly the Leeds performance, is is still a positive despite the bad finishing because it shows uh, an improvement to his all-round game. And at some point that finishing will return because we have seen it before. It's not as if we've never seen Martial be a good finisher. And it's, it's not even that he's only been a good finisher at one point in his career. He's had his first season at United, but also then probably four or five other periods in his United career where you've thought this is a proper finisher. And that means that you you can have some trust in the fact that he will, at some point, hopefully in the very near future, pick up his finishing boots again and start to finish his chances with um, with more efficiency. But yeah, the all round play was was absolutely fantastic and and, and genuinely a, a joy to watch. And he was at the heart of everything. And it, I mean, it was a it's just a, the the great unjustness that he didn't score in a six six goal win for United although he had plenty of chances to do so and we mentioned Dan James earlier who was helping Martial creating space for him running ahead of him making those runs off the shoulder of the defender but and we spoke about how Solskjaer put him in the starting lineup. but what a performance from James there are certain players who who thrive in very specific situations and Dan James is, is one of them uh, when he's presented with a high defensive line and plenty of space in which to work in, well, he he is away. <laughs> yeah, again, like I said a few minutes ago, I, I'm not going to lie, when I saw the team, I wasn't best pleased to see Dan James in there. But full credit to both him and Solskjaer, because clearly the plan was was made that the biggest thing that we could do in this game was exploit the space. And I don't think I've ever seen Dan James have this much space in a Premier League game, even when we have been playing... <laughs> one of the big teams who, you know, are sort of hemming us into our own box for 85 of the 90 minutes. At times he had 20, 30 yards around him with no one there to mark him. And, and when, when he has that kind of space, he is so dangerous. It's exactly what we saw from him in, in the first sort of two or three months of his time at United. Clearly, you know, hasn't panned out that well for him since then. But in games like this, he can be really, really effective. And it's it's one of these conundrums because actually a fit, healthy and confident Dan James is genuinely a really big, really big weapon for us. Not necessarily when we're having to come from 
you know, two nil down every away game at half time because those aren't the kind of games where Dan James is going to thrive. But in a game against yeah. one of the big teams or when we are trying to hold on to a lead, he is the exact kind of player you want because it, listen, he, he's going to he's if he gets ten chances, he might only bury two of them, and he's not going to create that many chances, but just his ability to stretch the game is massive for us in certain situations. And it is only in certain situations. That he's not ever going to be someone who starts every game. He's not someone that we should be relying on, but in yeah. situationally, he is a very, very good asset to have. And again, full credit to Solskjaer for, for setting us up and realizing that because this was the exact kind of game where he, where we needed him because even in, situations where he wasn't necessarily getting the ball because of the man marking system that leads that leads use if Dan James is, is making a crazy run even if he's never going to get the ball the way he takes a man out of the game and creates so much space for everyone else was just what we needed there were so many times when Martial Fernandez Rashford McTominay would pick up the ball and the reason they have so much space is because Dan James has taken his marker away completely yeah, it is that and that yeah. that's massive for us that's massive for us even if it doesn't come out in the stats or immediately when you watch the game, his ability to take a man out, basically completely take one one of the defenders out of the game is massive for us. Yeah. He he worked so hard and ran so much in, in both directions and it, it, he didn't have that many touches on the ball. He wasn't in, as involved as McTominay, Fred, Bruno, Martial or um, Marcus Rashford. But it, when he got his touches on the ball, A, they, they were very valuable touches. He, he made the most out of them. But it's just, it's just a threat of Dan James for the opponent that makes him so valuable. It's the the possibility of Dan James getting into space and the fact that the opposition has to alter their defence and always have to think in their mind, what if, what if we leave that space open and the ball goes over the top to a ridiculously quick player? And yeah, it, it, it's very dependent on specific situations. But in this one. He was fantastic. I was just so pleased he scored as well. And he took his goal really well. Um, he didn't rush it. He didn't try and... Yeah, he needed that. Yeah, he didn't try it and just whack it over the goalkeeper. He, he took a second and then went through the, the keeper's legs. And it, it wasn't a great effort at, at keeping out from Meslier, but it, it was the right option to take um, to, to try and, and stick it through his legs. And it came off and um, yeah, just, just really pleased for him. The final two players I'll, I'll pay credit to but I mean, he could do it for for most of the players in the team. Maguire, Lindelof, Shaw, I thought was was brilliant at the start and and really crucial in keeping that intensity up yeah. actually because he was constantly on the um, on the leads um, back. But Fred and Bruno Fernandes, who had brilliant games. Bruno, of course, always <laughs> another two goals um, and an assist. And Fred, who who just handled the ball really well. I think Fred is actually going under the radar as having just a, a really, really good season overall. Every time he's been called upon, he's been very, very good. What he's, he's sort of ironed out some of the mistakes in his game and it still happens on occasion. But, you know, even last season when he had a much better year, sort of four or five times a game, he'd be given the ball away in bad areas. He'd be get, get caught in possession because of a bad first touch or just wayward passing. And he's yeah. sort of ironed all of those things out of his game now. He's not a world beater by any means. He's not going to be putting in defence splitting passes at every opportunity, but he's keeping things simple. And he is a ma- he is a massive asset to us, especially when he plays alongside McTominay. We just look like such a more dynamic team. Our ability to and and I, I don't I don't like just saying that the only thing they're good at is being mobile, but it makes a massive difference when 
the other option is Matic and Pogba, who very clearly do not cover the ground as well as Fred and McTominay. And it's not just that, their ability on the ball, like I said with Fred, is, is getting so much better. But that that dynamism they add to our team makes us so much better in transition. Just going from back to front when we win the yeah. ball back is so much quicker, so much more efficient with Fred and McTominay there. And then Bruno Fernandes, I mean, what more is there to say, really? I tweeted this yesterday. Fernandes is the first genuinely world-class outfield player that we've had since Robin Van Persie in my eyes. And I don't think there's any debate about that. He is, even when he's not playing at his absolute best, just the level that he, the the speed at which he moves the ball and the speed at which he operates, is just on a completely different level to anyone else on the pitch. And as we've said so many times before, he's not perfect and he wouldn't work in every team around the world because he gives the ball away a lot. He can be frustrating at times because you just want him to do the simple things. But two or three times in every single game, he does things that you yeah. just watch and you just think, and wow, like how has he even seen that? How has, it, how has he managed to And I'll tell you what, the, the difference against Leeds was all of his teammates were on the same wavelength and that yeah. hasn't happened a lot. And so those little flicks. And the entire game was being played at the speed that he normally Exactly, at. yeah, yeah, yeah. So those little flicks, for example, for his third goal, that outside of the boot flick, Dan James won the ball back, gives it to Fernandez, the little flick, and then I think it was um, Fred who then carried it forward uh, and then played it for Martial and then Fernandez picked up the, the loose ball in the penalty box and, and scored. But th- those little flicks then carried on the counter-attack and, and his teammates carried on and he didn't have to do all the work and it, it's not often that that's happened before. Um, yeah, But yeah, just just an undisputably brilliant player. Um, and an undisputably brilliant win. We should move on. Just, I think Fernandez, just quickly, cool. the, the last thing I'd say on Fernandez is he is both in terms of his profile, of the kind of player he is, but also off the pitch and the mentality, the attitude that he has brought to this team could not have been a more perfect signing. Yeah. You know, obviously on the pitch offers us creativity that we were in such desperate need for, but you can tell the mentality that he brings to this team is just so different to anyone else. Yeah, and that that leadership, the the massively high standards that he demands from everyone else, is just what we needed to sort of guide a young team through this period yeah. of development. And and it's it's things still aren't perfect in terms of the team's mentality, certainly not. And I'm about to speak about that very quickly before we move on. But you look around the team, and you've got McTominay, um, McTominay, Fernandez, Rashford, and Maguire. I think would be the the main four you consider to have that mentality or at least yeah. near it. And I think Fernandez certainly has it. Rashford certainly has it. McTominay certainly has it. Maguire probably has it. And, and that is better than it has been in the past. And I think it's rubbing off onto the rest of the team. The The final thing I'll say, and I was going to, we were going to talk a little bit about the league position, but it's not really relevant at the moment um, with so much football still to be played. But third place above everything and goal difference, it's, it's certainly a positive way to go into Christmas. But the, the final thing I'll say before we go to youth and women's roundup is... The one caveat to all of this for me is that watching that game, it, it, it struck me, as it often does, that this United team is just dependent on the slightest of margins. And that I think it's, 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 it's always been under Solskjaer, dependent on the slightest of margins. You think about his great victories have been because of, of, of things that could have gone either way. And, and you think, how many times have United come out 
come out at kickoff and started a game well only to fizzle out after five minutes when they missed their opening two chances. I think you think back to even the Arsenal game at home, which was generally very drab. United came out and started well. The Southampton game away, we came out and started well and then conceded too. This time, that, that didn't happen. We scored both of our chances and the confidence that it inspired in the team was just made for an incredible spectacle and an incredible performance. Every touch was good. Every pass was deliberate, hard and accurate. But this is so clearly a side that operate well only when they're confident. And it means that our success is so dependent on on those tight margins, whether Scott McTominay hits it perfectly into the bottom corner or not with his two chances in the in the opening three minutes or not. And if he hadn't, in a parallel universe, we'd be sitting here having started the game very well, had five minutes and then suddenly Leeds have gone ahead after 10 and, and the whole game changes. And maybe it's stating the obvious, but I think this team... It, it, the way it will get more consistent is when it changes. It, it starts to become naturally more confident in itself. And even when they go behind, they can quickly get themselves going again. Yeah. The the margins that we operate in are, are tiny. And we've been saying this about our away form for quite a while now that, you know, we're, it's not sustainable to keep playing this way all season because we are dependent on such small things going our way. You know, you look to re- realistically, every single away game this season, probably maybe other than the Everton game where their goal was pretty much the only decent chance they had. But in every other, every one of those games, if the other team had scored, taken one more of their chances, because, you know, we all know that they had a lot in most of those games. They took one more of those chances. We'd suddenly be on the back foot. And we are, we're operating very, very close to, to the precipice almost where everything could go horribly wrong. And it's just so difficult to go through a season like that. You know, how many of our wins this season have been not not just one goal leads where, you know, it's a comfortable one nil and you see out the game, but furiously having to come back from one nil down, two nil down at half time. And, you know, there's full credit to the to the team for the the attitude and the ability to to make those comebacks, but you can't keep relying on that all season. It does I think it comes down to both an ability, a tactical switch and also a mental attitude as well because it is you sort of need that ability to be able to deal with a little bit of a setback in the first five minutes like missing a couple of chances and not let it rock you and that comes down to sort of the mental attitude of the players it also comes down to you know what the coaches are doing on the sideline do they have the ability to react to change the game to know how to sort of manage their players through the game I think in ter- with the league position I think we all know that this Man United team for all the stuff that will that is being written written and will inevitably be written this week. I don't think we are genuine title challengers. I don't think we've shown that yet this season. I think we've shown that that we we could be if we make a few more steps in the right direction. But to me, this is still a team that is moving in the right direction overall, but is still jolting from from one to one thing to another too quickly to be a serious title challenger. And so yeah, it's it's still agreed. a team in development. And and so you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have moments like this. And I think what I want to see from now until the end of the season is you want to see this team getting more consistent and not being so dependent on those small margins that you're talking about. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about league position for now. Um, but all I'll say is just it, winning big games is even better when Solskjaer is your manager. We're going to go to youth and women's roundup. 
Well, we'll start with a humbling result for the under-23s at the weekend. A 6-1 loss to Chelsea, who just dominated United completely. Um, they scored two goals in the first three minutes, just like McTominay against Leeds. And exactly like in that game, United did threaten back against Chelsea, but the, the Blues just took the game away from them at, at every opportunity. United an off day, but Chelsea were just completely brilliant. Um, Sunset Bell had Ted and Menke on toast. Fish, Galbraith and Fernandez, normally so reliable, gave away the ball too easily and Chelsea capitalised. They scored pretty much whenever they wanted and it was 3-0 by half time. They came out for the second half. Fernandez gave away a penalty. That made it four. The fifth and sixth came soon after. United showed good character, to be fair, to not let it, it grow any further and to get some pride back in themselves. Joe Hugo came off the bench to score and some credit has to be given to United for picking themselves back off the floor. But too slow on the ball, ponderous in possession and just gifted opportunities to a very, very good Chelsea team who were never going to let them go. Um so yeah, lots to think about for the under-23s going into the Christmas break. They return in mid to late January. I think it's January 18th or 19th or something like that. The under-18s though, um, another brilliant win for them. 4-0 they won against Leeds. Charlie McNeil put United ahead early on, doubled the lead just before half-time. Both goals were, were absolutely fantastic. A Penenka penalty and a wonderful chipped effort after he'd rounded the keeper Christie. Charlie Savage and Zidane Iqbal scored the other two. And the under-16s also beat Leeds this weekend. So a triple victory for United against Leeds this weekend. Um, you think the men's team did well? Well, the women's team beat Bristol City 6-1 on Sunday. Leah Goulton scored twice, one of them an absolute screamer. Recommend seeking that out and, and um, finding a replay of the goal. Millie Turner and Jess Sigwa scored one each and Tobin Heath challenged McTominay for the fastest brace of the weekend with goals in the 83rd and 86th minute to wrap the game up. A 6-1 win keeps United top of the Women's Super League, four points clear of Arsenal and now six points clear of Chelsea who have two games in hand. A great way to go into Christmas. So under-18s and the women's team both top of their leagues at Christmas the first team five points off with a game in hand and the under 23 seven points off the top of the table in their division right Jack two games coming up um, it's Christmas presents to wrap so we won't um, we won't ponder too long on both of these games but Everton in the League Cup and Leicester on Boxing Day two very difficult games Everton uh, third, fourth in the league now we've leapfrogged them and Leicester second so certainly two very tough fixtures the Everton one important uh, I'm desperate for United to win that. I think going far and, and hopefully winning the League Cup, especially in a good season to do so, would 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 be massive for Solskjaer and just brilliant to see. Arsenal and City play each other in the League Cup quarterfinal, so one of them going out and that will leave us with one of those two, you would assume Man City, um, Spurs and us if we beat Everton. So it's a good opportunity to win some silverware, would, but it, it, it's going to be a tough game against Everton. And it also has the added challenge of, of absolutely needing to rest some players. Um, Leicester is possibly the more, I'm not sure if it's quite the more important game yet, but a win against Leicester and United goes second. So both of them hold massive importance um, themselves. What are you expecting? Well, I think for the Everton game, I think it would probably have a bit more intensity than a Carabao Cup quarterfinal normally would, just because I think these are two teams desperate to get their hands on some silverware. You know, both very clearly trending in the right direction. Yeah. Everton really on the up and up with Carlo Ancelotti in charge. I think for them, as well as us, it would be massive for either team to to win a, a trophy, even if it is the League Cup. So I'd expect full-strength teams pretty much to come out from both sides. And it should be a good game. I mean, obviously, we beat Everton 3-1 at Goodison earlier this season. 
but they are a good side and they will cause us problems going forward if they play their full strength team you know with Richarlison Calvert-Lewin likes of Sigurdsson Andre Gomez Alan Decore in midfield they're a very very good side and will cause us a lot of problems it's, it's one of those games where you back United to win I think but you feel like it could it could really go either way and, and really the same against Leicester we have we actually sort of apart from the obvious uh 5-2 under Van Hal. We've actually had a pretty good record against Leicester since they've become a genuine sort of top six, top eight team. Yeah. You know, despite the fact that they have been very good, we've actually got a decent record against them. And so in some ways, I'm almost more confident for that one. I think the, the whole festive period for United is going to be tough. I think our next four games are less in our Everton, Leicester, and then Villa and Wolves. Villa and Wolves obviously both playing very well at the moment as well. No easy games for us in there. We're going to have to rotate somewhere. I mean, I'll be interested to see what lineup Solskjaer does put out for these two games. Like you said, the the Leicester game becomes massive for us in the league. But so you'd expect that to be a full strength team. But obviously, the Everton the, the, game the good is thing. just as big because I think- the other, sorry to interrupt. But the good thing is you, you look at the McTominay Fred midfield and that is in form, and you look at the Pogba Matic midfield and that yeah. is also in form. The, the slight problem is you would probably play Fred and McTominay against both Leicester and Everton. But at least the option is there to completely swap the midfield and maybe play a slightly different way against Everton or Leicester in order to have a, a different team. And you, you you kind of have to change your style because of the personnel, but it does let you rest a lot more than you otherwise might be able to. You've obviously also got Alex Tellers, you've got Cavani and Greenwood to come in, Dan James, who's now confident, Juan Mata has been playing all right. So that we've had a lot of complaints about squad depth recently, but at the moment it's it's probably at one of its best. And I, I've actually just checked the, the United record against Leicester because you said that. Ridiculously good record that I just was not aware of at all. They haven't beat, apart from the 5-3, which was the first time we played them when they came up in 2014, they haven't beaten us. And we've won our last four and only drawn a couple. So a ridiculously good record against a really good team. Um, obviously probably going to end on Boxing Day now, I've said that, but it's surprising. Yeah, we've managed to managed to go through all these games against Leicester and never mentioned it. And now we have. It's uh, probably going to be curtains. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I sort of knew, I didn't realise it was that good, to be fair, but... You know, I've sort of realised that even even in all of our sort of bad moments, we've always managed to play pretty well against Leicester. I think we scraped a dodgy 1-0 win at Old Trafford last season, uh, the start of the year. Yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> which was pretty classic how we were playing back then. But yeah, you know, the, you're right about the squad depth. We are sort of blessed actually now, having been through the ringer in so many ways of just how badly our squad depth has been lacking it's actually now probably one of the biggest strengths that we have you know obviously injuries will come and they'll we'll probably be hit with a few over the festive period just the way things go but like you say you've got Fred and McTominay who can play one week Pogba and Matic have also been playing really well together we haven't even mentioned Donny van der Beek who can come in and do a great job as well even in attack you know if you take Rashford, Martial, Greenwood, Fernandez as our sort of first choice attack you can then bring in a few of Fernandez, oh sorry, not Fernandez. Van der Beek can come in and play for Fernandez. Cavani can come in and play striker. Dan James can come in and play out wide. Juan Mata can come in and play out wide if we need to. You know, we have options. We we have a lot of options, which is brilliant news for United because we we haven't had that in a long time. Even in defence, you know, the the depth isn't great, but having Alex Tellez really improves our, the depth that we have. 
you know, he, I don't think he's been fantastic so far, but definitely not much to split him and Shaw. So in that sense, we have two good options that we can rotate. Centre-back Eric Bailly can come in if he can stay fit. Axel Twanzebe can come in if he stays fit. Yeah. You know, the, the depth is improving a lot and we're going to need it because, you know, now, especially now that we've dropped down to the Europa League as well, from here until the end of the season, there's going to be very, very few breaks. I think we were talking last week that our, at the start of January, I think between the 2nd and the 8th, we have a week off, which is pretty much our only well, week yeah, off. Well, yeah, but if if we if we beat Everton, then that becomes the League Cup semi-final date. Oh, well, there you go. Because we, we were talking from a, a yeah, we were talking from a point of view is, is how do we possibly fit in podcasts during this time? Because we have a game on Sunday and then we play again Tuesday. It's when do you um, review and preview games? So it, it's, we were looking at that from that point of view, but it is a, a tireless, tireless season. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we do have to wrap up. I, I don't know if I want to make predictions. Um, such a positive episode and, and, uh, for for something to bring some positivity in in this time, um, in in the wider context of the news in um, the United Kingdom and across the world is 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 rare, I think. So I think we should probably leave on a positive note rather than making any predictions. But yeah, it, it, it's going to be carnage for the rest of the season. So that squad depth is very important, and it's one of those where you win both these games against Everton and Leicester, and things look ridiculously good. You lose them and. And they're starting to be kind of back to kind of what we were at a couple of weeks ago, which isn't so bad, but isn't so good either. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's not make or break at this point in the season when there's still so much football left to play. But I think this would this would send a big statement, I think, if we could go second and, you know, be the closest challengers to Liverpool at Christmas, even just psychologically within United's own ranks. That, I think, is a massive, a massive positive and a massive boost yeah. for us to send that kind of statement and against the two of our, you know, rivals for the top four, it looks yeah. like in Everton and Leicester in this sort of weird, wide open season, that would be massive for us. This is a big, a big few weeks. I was just looking at our fixtures. We've got, so as I was saying, we've got Villa and Wolves after, after the Leicester game, and then we play Fulham away, and then Liverpool away. So, I think in the next sort of four weeks or so, you, you'll find out a lot more about this Manchester United team and where we are this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, we should wrap things up there. We have rambled on for far too long, but I think people can forgive us because, well, it's Christmas and we've beaten Leeds 6-2 um, and there's, <laughs> there's plenty to be happy about. We won't be back before Christmas, so a, a very Merry Christmas to you, to everyone listening. Um, thank you for listening throughout 2020. Um, hopefully we've been able to provide an element of distraction from the the normal banality of, of life as things have often been um, this year. I hope everyone has a good Christmas and, and can make the most of whatever situation you're in. Um, if you want to hear more from Jack and I over the uh, festive period before the Leicester game and during the Leicester game and Everton too, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. You can find on any of our Twitter's information about how to become a patron of the United Weekly Podcast um, because we're about to do a, an interesting bonus Q&A for our patrons who sign up and pay a little bit of money extra week for some bonus content at the end of the show and some bonus episodes as well but for the rest of you goodbye have a great week have a great Christmas uh, Boxing Day Christmas Eve whatever enjoy the time with your family if you can um, or virtually with friends and family if you can as well goodbye 
Sports Social Podcast Network.